In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. So we just got back uh, yesterday. We went to Norman for a very short little visit and got to speak at a panel on the Society of Professional Journalists Region 8 conference that took place at OU in the Gaylord School of Journalism. Region 8 of the SBJ being Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, we, so they were doing a panel. One of the panels they wanted to do was podcasting, uh, how-to, and so they brought in, they were looking for local podcasters to speak about what and how we do it, and they... Um, Michael Cross from KOSU had heard about us through various channels and, and reached out and asked us to come down and speak. Um, and so we got to do that. It was a great time. We got to meet Chase Harvick from, from OETA. OETA. Well, yeah, it was quite the honor to be invited down there and, and be part of this, considering how short of a time that we've been podcasting, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's funny to, to think that we are somewhat now considered professional journalists. Literally three I was months. like, am I, am I a journalist? Is that, is that, is that, that enough right? credential now? Do I need a degree in mass I communication? I don't have a press pass. I mean, did, compared to the people in the audience who have never done a podcast before, three months of podcasting, well, you, you will learn a lot in a short period yeah. of time. Um, but what I liked about it was meeting other people working in the medium. Like yeah. Chase and Michael Cross, because uh, Chase and Michael have a podcast that they do together. Up with Downton. Up with Downton. Downton yeah. Abbey. I'm not sure if Michael's actually on. Yeah, that. I don't think Michael's on that one. But that's it's, what Chase it's does. Not gotten me. I think I'm going to start watching Downton Abbey yeah. tonight. <laughs> and they're getting ready to start uh, the nerdy geek. The oh, oh yeah. this is bad. Yeah, that's bad. Sorry, guys. Um, the they're geek getting cast. It's not out yet, so yeah. uh, we're, we'll when it comes out, we'll definitely push it right. But it's the geek cast, okay, geek cast, or something like that. By Michael um, Cross and. Yeah, Chase those, so that was—I mean—it was just a lot of fun. We went, even went and sat through a little uh, keynote speech by a journalist there who'd been—I don't remember his name now. Because I'm, uh, I'm Joe Height. Joe Height. Yeah, Joe Height. Well, actually, um, he was—he so. uh, was the editor of the Colorado Springs Gazette. He led a, a rescue team during the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. Um, so he talked a little bit about what it was like to cover something like that that's happened in right. his home because he knows a lot of war correspondence and it, he was basically giving us the sort of spiel about the difference between going and covering something like that in a foreign country versus covering something like literally in your hometown, like where you live. And well, because he was mentioning he had went to Belfast. He was speaking at a conference there and how local correspondence, you know, in Belfast during the time of the, you know, that that conflict that was occurring in Northern Ireland, how the journalists that were correspondents for that conflict didn't relate to journalists that reported on foreign conflicts. It was just kind right. of... Uh, he even told this interesting story about there's a bar in Belfast. It's an exclusive bar that is only allowed for people that fought in that conflict. If you didn't right. fight in that conflict, you were not allowed in that bar. And he was basically, he had the ability to sort of connect with these guys because they felt like, oh, you're, even though you weren't here locally, you were, you're a local correspondent for a strategy in Europe. Because of his, you, right. we can kind of connect with you. Yeah, so, because I mean, of his experiences in, in the bombing. So we had the pleasure of Oklahoma City's Mayor Mick Cornett coming on because he has a movie coming out that also right. speaks about the bomb and the, 
and how that Oklahoma City, the boom, the bust, and the bomb. The we're, full title. That is the full title. Um, and yeah, we're very excited to to have him give a little bit of his time and and sit here with us in in the studio. We are sitting here with Mayor of Oklahoma City, Mr. Mick Cornett. Thank you hey. for coming out. Thank good you, to Mick. be with you yeah, guys. Thank you, Mick. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, it's good to be here. So you've got a movie coming out. Yeah. Uh, we actually just saw the trailer hit Facebook this morning. Yeah, it was released today, as a matter of fact. You the guys boom, are right on top of things. The boom, the bust, and the bomb. Yeah. There's a, there's a colon before. It's Oklahoma City, colon, the, the boom, boom, the, the bust, bust, and the bomb. Yeah. Very nice. Just for grammaticians out there. <laughs> want to be grammatically correct. Absolutely. It was a, a fantastic preview. My wife watched the preview this morning. She hadn't heard a lot about the film yet uh-huh. after she saw the preview she said i'm excited i want to see this when's well, good. this coming out well it'll uh, it'll start april 10th um and start at harkins it'll be running four times a day oh great and nice. uh it'll, it'll also be available for download and uh dvds will be available around that same time frame it'll be but the launch is april 10th great and so this is a documentary about um oklahoma city specifically starting when the 70s yeah. 1970 to 1995 it, it backs up a little bit just to give people a little bit of forefront. So I have Bob Blackburn on, and he talks about the land run a little bit. Okay. So there, there's a little bit of background. But that's where it concentrates. Because uh, I kind of feel like the, the city we have today is directly related to the life experiences of that time period. Sure. Just, just like a person is shaped by the life experiences they have, I think this community was shaped by that. And it wasn't until, I mean, it was, gosh, probably five years ago that I finally started to realize just how unique those experiences were and how it did directly relate to the good times we have today. And you guys are all younger than me, you, 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 but you, you've probably at least heard of, a, of an Oklahoman named Paul Harvey. Oh, yeah, oh absolutely. Incredible radio talent who made a franchise out of the rest of the story. Right. And what the rest of the story was, he would take some historical event and then he would tell you something you didn't probably know that happened before it or that led to it. Yeah. And it was called The Rest of the mm-hmm. Story. I, I remember my show. dad listening to that when I was a kid. Yeah, that's kind of what this movie is. I mean, and I, it didn't, that didn't dawn on me until about two weeks ago. I <laughs> think, oh, this is the rest of the story. That's what this is. Like, we took Paul Harvey's idea and, and, and made a movie about because we're going back in time, but we're telling you things that you probably didn't know and that have a direct relationship to the city we have today. And there are a lot of people that don't know, that have no idea. And especially when you think, too, of all the uh, new people that have moved to Oklahoma mm-hmm. City that are not familiar with this history yeah, at all. I think at least half of the people in the city today didn't live here in 1995. Right. Yeah. And so you have a younger generation, of course, that you know, didn't, wasn't around. And then you have people that have moved in, and they, they probably heard something. And it's amazing when I talk to people that are, let's say, uh, 30 years old, just to pick kind of a round number. They've all heard something from their parents. And it could be why they moved here. You know, their family moved here in 79 or 80 because of this booming Mm -hmm. economy that was going on. And then their their parent lost their job, you know, in 1985 or 86. And I'm thinking, well, that's what this movie is about. It's to explain what was going on in this community that caused those types of events to happen. Why were they hired then? Why did they lose their job later? Um, And there's also an entrepreneurial angle to this. In other words, that some of the biggest businesses we have today had to survive those rough economic mm-hmm. times. How did they do it? 
And, you know, everybody, you know, sees, for instance, the Devon Tower today. Right. And they think, wow, they've, you know, they're successful. They've got a lot of money. Well, they started in 1970. You that know? I did not know. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. So, you so know, they, they, they had to weather some thing. tough times yeah. to get to where they are today. And so I, I hope it's also, um, you know, kind of a testament to hard work and perseverance and, you know, a lot of the attributes that we learn in kindergarten, right. you know? And, well, and, I think one of the things that's happening, too, is people that are aware of what happened in the 70s, and especially some of the subject matter in this movie, is seeing the roller coaster of the energy industry. Like what you were saying in your TED Talk, you know, when you have a commodity-based industry, there's going to be the ups and the downs. Yeah. And so, obviously, you know, there's a whole story of people that weathered that down, and I think sometimes people wonder now, is are we had, Is there going to be another one of those? And what's, yeah. what's it going to be like? For those people who weather that that downturn, when yeah, it you know, it, I get that question a lot. Sure, it it feels to me we have diversified our economy quite a bit. I think so, and I and I also think that that era of the '80s made us a lot made our energy sector and our bankers a lot smarter yeah. going forward. And so if if we don't have you know the the low point economically you know from here on going forward it's probably a result of learned experiences absolutely um, learning the hard way seems like Oklahomans always have <laughs> always, to learn the yeah. hard way but we but we learned you know I'd like to think we've learned and so you know we shouldn't repeat some of the mistakes of the past okay and and this this movie illustrates some mistakes mm-hmm. you know that were made and well and a lot of those people are still around here too yeah you're right a lot of them are still around. Um, you know, for instance, you know, Burns Hargis has been a, you know, a friend of mine for the last 10 years mm-hmm. or so that I've been kind of involved in the city's leadership. I had no idea that in 1981, 82, Burns Hargis was an FDIC attorney. He was part of the Penn Square. Well, he's the one that's supposed to through, through, you know, that legally is supposed to shut down the bank. Right. Yeah. And, and I thought, you're kidding me. This you know this guy who I've admired here. so much. I had no idea that he was legally put in charge of of going to the federal judge and turning in the paperwork. Now he didn't, as far as I know, you know, put the padlock on the door and put a right. sign up that said closed. He may have, but I think it was but, just a piece of paper, like a sharpie <laughs> written on it. Yeah. All. <laughs> but but you know, when when you think back, that one bank that failed, and ultimately one hundred banks failed in the yeah. decade. Wow, a hundred banks huge. fail in a state the size of ours. That's Yes, huge. And, and, you know, Texas had a similar issue. It wasn't just us, but it was mostly us. And it was the Pensacola Bank collapse. A lot of the mistakes made during that were some of the crazy lending practices that they were doing. Yeah. Is- and we had to have crazy lending practices because there was kind of another reactionary thing in Oklahoma regarding branch banking mm-hmm. that helped initiate a lot of that. Because when Oklahoma first became a state, they said, let's not allow branch banking. You know, you can only have one bank. You can't have banks with other branches spread all over the place because they wanted to try to keep them from gaining too much power. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of led to some of those lending practices. Yeah. And interest rates were really huge. So if you're a bank and you could get somebody to borrow money, you were going to make a really mm-hmm. good return. I mean, I can remember people buying houses in that era, and they were playing above 10%. Interest. Yeah. You what? Know? Really? So now, yeah. now I have I think I have three and a half percent on right. my, on my yeah. place I live <laughs> yeah. now, and, yeah. and that's pretty good. But most people have something similar to that. To over ten percent interest in that yeah. area. I think I remember that's my crazy. parents, my dad talking about having like an eleven or twelve percent interest yeah. rate on yeah. the house in the eighties. No wonder banks were wanting to loan 80s, money, and I think it was in the yeah. twelve to fifteen percent. <laughs> they, they were raking like, it in. <laughs> that, yeah. that makes total sense. Yeah, until it all until, ended. Until it all ended. So you are. You are the 
writer, the producer, and the director of this film. That's right. Is this your uh, first go at uh, wearing all those hats? It is. It's. It's. Uh, I would say it's my first full-length motion picture. I've done a lot of video work and storytelling. Uh, spent 20 years in television, as I like to describe it, doing one-minute stories. And then I had a video production business that did, you know, five, 10, or 15-minute stories. Well, yeah, because we can and remember then, growing up seeing you on newscasts. Yeah. You know? Channel 5, KOCA. And so, and so this is a long form, obviously. Right. And, but I'll say this, and you know, when you're telling a story, and it doesn't matter what the length, what you're hoping is that it just falls into place, you know, that you don't right. have to force some element into the story and you're trying to figure out how the transition, doesn't matter if it's a one minute story or a two hour story. And this story fell right into place. It was, as I, as I finished each individual segment, and there's a lot of different t subject matters covered here, I knew exactly where it went. I knew exactly nice. where it would fit. And it just, it was surprising to me that everything was just falling right into place. And cause that's what you want when you're trying to tell a story. Now, you had mentioned Bob Blackburn earlier. Now, he's the mm -hmm. director of the... He, he's Historic the executive director Historic. of the Oklahoma History Center. Well, from what we understand, you worked with a, a really close friend of ours, Rachel Mosman, in mm -hmm. doing some of the... Yeah, the you know Rachel? Oh, I, yeah. I've known yeah. Rachel. Yeah. She's one of my best friends. Uh, Rachel's fabulous. Yeah, you know, she is. Because, obviously, uh, it's hard to gather pictures from 1970 to 1995. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, the media partners were all generous, and the Oklahomans' archives were available to us. Nice. But people like Rachel are the ones that have to help me actually find that picture, right, right. show me what's available, and then make a digital, you know, copy so I can get it into the movie. So, yeah, there's there's so many people. And when you when you see the credits in this movie, there's a long list of thank yous. Well, that's on purpose because <laughs> right. a lot of people, you know, lent their skill, expertise, or or ma physical materials right. to, to help illustrate what happened in this time frame. Well, that's one of the things that we always enjoy watching uh, Rachel's Twitter feed is she's always posting the interesting pictures that she finds. I need to follow her. Oh, okay. absolutely. absolutely. You do. Yeah, she posts fantastic <laughs> photographs. She's I been bet the she history does. Of City. Posting stuff from uh, 23rd and, and Walker in that uh -huh. area, finding some of the old pictures of what's now going to be the rise. Yeah. So you definitely uh, aligned yourself with the correct person. Well, and I could that. not have done it without her yeah. and, and Bob Blackburn and the people at the History Center. I mean, the, you That's know, when, when you take on a project like this, you kind of start talking to people to see their level of enthusiasm. And they were enthusiastic about it. And I thought, okay, well, then. I'm not going to have to worry about that. You know, they right. share my enthusiasm that this is a story that needs to be told. And, and yeah, being cooperative is, is understating the level of cooperation I got. I mean, it, people were anxious and, and, you know, asking what else can I do to help you with this, with this piece? Well, it seems to me like this is a story, like I'm really anxious. I've lived in Oklahoma my whole life, Oklahoma city basically. And I'm really anxious to see this movie because like you're saying, you're telling a story that I don't think a lot of people have heard yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it could go a long way to, people outside of Oklahoma who are now looking at us because, you know, it's it's every other week we're on a top 10 list of entrepreneurial cities or top 10 cities to move to or whatever because we've got so much great stuff going on. But we still, there's still this sort of air of when I tell people outside live in California or Washington mm -hmm. or whatever, I live in Oklahoma, they're like, oh, it's like, you still <laughs> like dealing with, you know, you know, just a bunch of cowboys and there's cows walking still up and down Indian the street. TVs, right? right? Yeah, and we're still, you know, and it's like, Everybody no, wears we're, overalls. we're this thriving, booming <laughs> place with a lot of awesome stuff going on and I think having a detailed history of like some the interesting times and the hardships we've gone through to get where we are yeah. is going to be very significant for us. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, I don't know what the, I, I wrote and produced this for a regional audience. I mean, I specifically mm -hmm. had people that lived here 
in mind, or people that used to live here, people that grew up in this area and now live other places, they'd be interested in this oh, as sure. well. So expats, if you want to call them that. <laughs> but but I didn't really write it with people that live in other parts of the world. And so, but but I did think you know there there are ways that we could have a condensed, edited down version that might have legs mm-hmm. uh, for a national or international audience. It's I, I put all that off onto the back burner and concentrated on this release right now, but. It's it's in the back of my mind. I would like other people in other parts of the world to see it because I I think there's a lot of things that Oklahoma learned that the rest of the country would find interesting. And the reason that we're really interested in seeing this too is uh, you know a few months ago with the uh, the the pedestal oil protests that happened and them wanting to drill by Lake Hafner and all mm-hmm. of the attention that that got. That actually happened right around the time that. Um, I had read that book, Funny Money, which was written by a guy named Mark Singer. Mm-hmm. And Mark Singer, he's associated with the oil. There's an oil family right from Tulsa, the Singer family. The Singers are part of the family that owns Pedestal Oil. And reading this book, putting together like all these pieces and people that are involved and making this connection and learning this history is another one of those things that, you know, you learn some stuff that's kind of shocking, but at the same time gives you a sense of place. Gives you a sense of, of where you're coming from, and making those connections is, I mean, seeing the burn, when I saw Burns Hargis mentioned in that, I was like, really? That's and now I know <laughs> a little bit of that guy's history. It's mm-hmm. tying together a, 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 all these little pieces of history that, without them being tied together, they just seem like they exist on their own. Yeah, that you, they that's all a good point. Each other. They all impact each it, other. In fact, when I started this, this kind of you know trying to figure out what the story was. Because I was, you know, in television growing up here, but I wasn't a part of leadership. I mean, I wasn't on the inside of any of this stuff. I just kind of had bits and pieces in my mind. And I, I realized early on that other than Bob Blackburn, there really wasn't a single person that was an expert on 1970 to 1995. Right. And I was going to have to become that expert. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if I was really going to tell this story, I was going to have to be the one that drew out this nugget and this nugget and started to see how all that fit together. And so the, I, I enjoy that because I'm a kind of a history buff as a, you know, anyway. Sure. And, and of course, uh, you know, that's that it's it it also, I think, you know, helps me in my everyday role as, as being the mayor of the city, kind of learning more and more about the history and the people that that were involved in there. So um, now now I'm the person I would want to talk to. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could find me, you know, because I'm not inter- I'm not interviewed during the piece. But now I, I'm right. like the guy that that, that I should have talked to. You're, you're, you're going to have to film an addendum now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I, I pulled a lot of a lot of really uh, interesting people into this, and you know, because of my background in television, I also place an emphasis on people that can communicate well. Sure. You know, yeah. knowing the material isn't enough. I think to be in a documentary, you got to be able to communicate it and be interesting or be humorous, be informative. You know, you've got to have a, a skill to communicate. Absolutely. And, and I place a high preference, a premium on that. And so the people that are selected and that, that are interviewed in this movie are communicators. And I think that's one of the reasons the story just sings so well. You want to kind of give us a preview of who some of those people are? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I mentioned Burns Hargis. Um, Russell Perry, who uh, owns the, the Black Chronicle newspaper now, he yep. started his newspaper in 1979 and kind of let him be an eyewitness mm-hmm. to kind of a lot of the things that are going on. Um, former Governor George Nye okay. uh, is in the movie. Former President of UCO as well. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, former Mayor uh, Ron Norick yep. um, is, is an integral part of the movie. Um, Meg Salyer, who's mm-hmm. now a councilwoman uh, in Ward 6, she was a banker. Uh, yes. Back then, yeah. 
And uh, you know, then there's some some people like Sam Hammonds and John Yokel who are kind of uh, energy experts in the in the community, but not necessarily high profile. They've never run for public office. They're a little bit behind the scenes type mm-hmm. people, but they were they were very much involved in 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 that era. Um, Terry Watkins was a, a cohort of mine at Channel Five. She was she was uh, you know kind of a, a, a will bust your butt reporter you know back in the right. 1970s and 80s and 90s and. And uh, she was, you know, she was covering, uh, you know, the, the banking issues and the energy industries and and, uh, and the bombing. You know, right. I mean, she was covering these these hard hitting events. And she's a wonderful communicator. I mean, the the it, it's I hated to leave a lot of the stuff on the editing room floor. You know, when, when Terry was talking because she was just she's so colorful and good and had a, had a good feel for for what we were trying to accomplish. But you know, those I think those are you know many of the principal players. And then there's you know the people that are in the energy business too. Mm-hmm. So the, the movie, the, the kind of two major things that um, and disasters that Oklahoma City has dealt with, there's of course the bust, and then then mm-hmm. then the bombing. Like how much how much of the the film focuses on the yeah. bombing? Well, it's um, the bombing is probably twenty uh, percent, maybe fifteen okay. percent of it. It's there's just a lot of lot of little things that I think people will find in. in um, interesting that all tie together and and at the end there's an epilogue and so I've kind of introduced a lot of different storylines and uh, hopefully not too many I tried to limit it you know right. to, so there would be you know people could follow along but uh, there's an epilogue at the end that ties everyone in. in other words it shows how it turned out and so even though the okay, movie awesome. the movie ends at 1995 right. when you know when the bombing occurs there's an epilogue that brings it up to you know to today on Very all nice. the storylines, so you you kind of get to see how it turned out, and it's turned out great. <laughs> yeah, twenty yeah. years later, it's a it's a much different city than it was in nineteen ninety five. It sure is, and you know, I I still think a lot of the successes we had since ninety five were because of this kind of bonding that we went through as a community. I I really think that the there was an emotional experience that the people in the city went, and I think it was partially because of the economic collapse too. Mm-hmm. In other words. That generation had been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They'd, they'd had basically no economy, and they got offered hope a couple of times, and it, you know, the hope was kind of dashed. And then the bombing hits, and you're thinking, you know, this is what a lot of people might have should have just given up, right? But this community came together, and you look at the at the uh, initiatives in the late '90s, Maps for Kids, mm-hmm. and that Mayor Humphreys was so, uh, you know, smart in in pushing along with the business community. That took an amazing amount of consensus building, and I would I would suggest looking back now, some you know fifteen to twenty years, that that level of consensus building could only have taken place in an environment that was that was as cohesive as Oklahoma City. Well, that's what I was going to ask. He was he yeah. was doing some amazing some amazing work at bringing different groups onto the table. Uh, you know, getting getting different school boards and city council people and business leaders to all agree to one idea. Because that's not easy. Well, and, uh, having a city, you know, collectively deal with the grief that occurred from, from the bombing, I mean, that's that's something where I can certainly see that being a really cohesive thing. It's like, let's all get together and you know, heal from this, rise yeah. up with this. Let's let's go and and do something great. I, I and th- I, the way I describe it is, it's as if the people in the city grabbed hands, mm-hmm. pulled each other up, and dared the world to pull us apart. Yeah, absolutely. And we after, haven't stopped after, since. After all we've been through, we're not gonna splinter off again. And and I, another thing that Ron Norick did 
is and this was you know I wouldn't, don't want to say unknowingly, but I don't know that we saw the power of it at the time. But remember when he put he put the maps ballot on uh, together. And it was nine, there were nine different elements to the mm -hmm. maps ballot. Yes. But you had to vote and pass it all. In other words, you didn't get to yeah. pick you which ones the ones you wanted. Yeah. And the, 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 the magic of that <clears throat> is that it forced, and forced may not be the right word, but it forced the people that love the arts to work side by side with the people that love the sports and the people that right. wanted the water projects. Right. And, and all of us, because previous, I don't know that Oklahoma City was a, a splintered community, but you had sports enthusiasts and arts enthusiasts, sure. and you know they didn't work together on the same initiatives. But all of a sudden, now they are. everybody was working together on one initiative. And um, and I think people forget just how close that election was, but uh, that's, that's it was in, close. That's in the movie, you know the right the, on the, the <laughs> campaign and and the the struggles to get that passed. And it worked so <laughs> well that the city galvanized. We've now had maps two and maps that's three. Right. I mm -hmm. mean, it's the continue, and who knows? We'll probably continue to. I mean, I've got no problem doing this, seeing the result of it. And like I said, I've lived here thirty three years of my life, and to see what's happened in the last fifteen twenty years is. It's just it's un, you can't describe it to anybody to know we, what we've it come was. far so far so fast. Yeah, it gives you a sense of pride. Yeah, I and mean, that's well, I hope of, so. Yeah, it, that's one of the reasons that the three of us got together and started doing this was because we were so excited and happy, and because Aaron and I had uh, moved out of Oklahoma, you know, around two thousand, mm -hmm. and you know, went and sowed our wild oats, and you know, wanted to come home, and we came home. Like right at you know 2006 and everything is kind of starting yeah, to. Yeah, there's boom. an NBA team in there's town. There's an NBA team here. Um, you know, <laughs> who'd, who'd have thought that? I know. And so I, you know, one of the things that I mention a lot in here is I I bought a house in the Paseo, which at one point in time was considered not so great of a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that I've been telling people ever since I did that. It's been getting better and better every year, and it really does fill you with the with a sense of pride. And you know, I love my home. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think to a certain extent, we're really starting now to see how, I mean, because Maps was really focused downtown for the most part, but now that that infrastructure has been built and we've got all of this stuff going on, it's trickling out and we're getting the, the plazas and the paseos mm -hmm. and the uptowns and the midtowns and where these small local businesses can now pop up and thrive because we have this. Like you said, we diversified the economy. We learned some things from our mistakes. And yeah. Well, well, we have a we have there's an intensity to the urban core. Yeah. And I, I like to think that, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Oklahoma City, inside city limits, but, you know, 10 miles from downtown. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we always thought it was a good place to live and a good place to raise a family, but we were pretty aware it wasn't a great place to visit. Right. You know, I don't remember my parents inviting family and friends from other parts of the country to come see it, <laughs> yeah. to come see Oklahoma City when I was a kid. Didn't think anything of it, but that was, that was the reality of it. Well, today it's you know it's it's a much different place, and and I like to think that people that you know live in those neighborhoods today are thinking to themselves, you know, maybe the most important thing to me is my neighborhood, but a close second is my downtown. Is my downtown? Yeah. Is and and you know everybody gets their identity from where the tall buildings are, mm -hmm. and you cannot be a suburb of nothing. You know, we tried. I, I grew up in a, in a suburb of nothing. Right. You know, life was decent in the suburbs. We at least we didn't know any better. But then you come downtown. If I mean, if there was a reason to come downtown, there really wasn't much of a reason to ever come downtown. But if you came downtown, I mean, it was just you know deader than a doornail yeah. after five o'clock. People still work down here, but they didn't stick around. Right. And um, and you know, of course, today it's it's a much different vibe, and you've got. 
um, a lot of people relocating and re- were repopulating the inner city. And that's smart for a lot of reasons. If you're, a, if you're running a city government, though, it's an efficiency issue. In other words, if you've yeah. you got to provide police protection and fire protection and water and all those necessities, do you want to do it to a community that's sprawled into 600 square miles, or do you want to do it where people right. have, you know, have compacted? And you can, you can deliver those services for a much more, a much more efficient business model. Than you can if people are spread so out. That was one of the interesting things that you had pointed out in the TED Talk that you did about Oklahoma City and how, the way that it was born and the mm-hmm. way that it grew. So we had so much land that we just spread out. Yeah, and there was could. no concentration of people in a particular area. And to see that people coming together now and concentrating in the city is it's exciting. Yeah, and, and there's repercussions to that. You know, for instance, on the retail side, what are what all the retailers want is they want density. And, yes. and they prefer higher incomes, depending on the, the, the brand. But generally, they want higher incomes and density. Well, Oklahoma City just doesn't have much density. You know, right. we, have, we have, you know, high-performing neighborhoods and zip codes and all of that. But, um, there's, you know, you need density. And so retailers, you guys, again, aren't old enough, but there's this, there was this thing in math class called a compass when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and you, would, you could draw a circle <laughs> around a point. Okay? Right. Well, that's what retailers still do. I mean, they might do it with computers on their, uh, today. Right. But basically, they take a point, you know, in other words, the site that their prospective store might be, and then they draw a circle, and they want to know what are the incomes, what's the density in that area. And, and so when people see, you know, there's some store they like in another city, you know, there's a reason for that. That density has, has uh, been a discouraging aspect of our retail environment. Right. Yeah, and that, that density's finally now coming with places like Deep Deuce mm-hmm. and, you know, Midtown and the projects that are going there that are actually bringing people to live down there. Not just visit, but actually now, make downtown their home. Does part of the movie include anything about Deep Deuce at all? Is that, is that in there? Um, not specifically. Okay. No. Because that was another part of the downtown that, area that, that I was really, not familiar with. Yeah, that, that really came after 95. Okay. Yeah. But even then, just like the, the, the history of that area, too, um, you know, in the 40s and the 50s. Mm-hmm. And, right. And I'm completely drawing a blank right now, but the Oklahoma author that wrote Invisible Man, uh, they've got a giant picture of him. Ralph Ellison. Ralph, Ralph Ellison, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's a whole, that's just, that part of town is just a whole other interesting mm-hmm. aspect yeah. to the story. And if, and if you did a movie that says 1940 to 70, which mm-hmm. I know that perhaps we should do one. Maybe that's yeah, your sequel. That, you know, that, that would, you know, you'd see Charlie Christian and, and, mm-hmm. and elements like that that would be very much a part of that, that part of the city's history. Well, that's then exciting to see the success of this of this movie then, mm-hmm. and and how well it does, and then yeah, I mean, why stop there? Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> why stop there? Hey, well, I'm, I'm just thrilled you guys are interested. We, and it starts oh, April 10th, and it, it'll be available in in a lot of different ways. Excellent. Uh, but uh, DVDs and downloads, and of course that Harkins uh, itself four times a day showing at Harkins. Is it going to make an appearance at? Uh, Dead Center? You know, we haven't looked at any film festivals, and we missed the deadline for entries. Um, so I, I would assume not, uh, but you know, it wasn't on purpose, but we just concentrated right. on, on this release as opposed to festivals. We haven't even entered it in any film festivals at this point. Very well, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming out. It's been yeah, this has been an, an, an absolute project. I could actually sit here and talk to you all day. So <laughs> yeah. We don't have the time for that, but it, yeah, thank you so much, Well, man. I, I appreciate it. You know, I've spent you know, three years in kind of what, what spare time I have. Right. Uh, three years kind of working on this. To, so to see you guys' enthusiasm for it really makes me feel good. So good. thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. You bet.
thanks again to Mayor Mick Cornett for coming on to the show and talking to us about his movie. Yeah, it was again, an absolute that's honor. coming out April 10th. It's going to be showing at Harkins in Bricktown, uh, four showings a day. Go see the movie. Go see this movie. Uh, if it comes out on iTunes, I'm going to buy it. I don't even care. Yeah, um, he said it'll, yeah, DVD, sure it'll be, it'll be released in a digital version. If you want to know about where we come from in your history uh, here in Oklahoma City, this is, this is what you want to see. Uh, and just a few other things we wanted to mention before we, we wrap up this week, um, because you know our show is ultimately about what's going on in Oklahoma City, what the cool things that are happening. Our urban so adventures. One urban adventure we had this week was H and Eight, the season premiere of the H and Eight Night Market. And when was it a success? Forty thousand wow. souls. It was. It was ridiculous. <laughs> They've expanded it now. It, it basically stretches from like sixth to tenth, all up Hudson. Um, so basically, you could start at Blue Garden. Um, Allison Bailey set up her industry flea, her new industry flea pop-up shops mm-hmm. there at the spot next to Blue Garden. Had a ton of people. I saw a picture on Instagram. I mean, there was almost more people packed into there at one right. point than yeah. there were down in H and Eighth. So you can follow all the way down Hudson um, to Elemental and beyond. Uh, it was fantastic. I yeah, mean, there were so many people out there. H and Eighth is the the brainchild of Laura Massanet, Brian Bergman, Jonathan Stranger, and Jonathan Stranger. Um, Over and they, at Hudson they, and they've Eighth. outdone themselves. Yeah, and uh, they had an interesting conversation going on Twitter the other day, saying, uh, "I think Laura Massonette saying, what do you guys want to do next?'" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh, well, what are you guys going to do next? <laughs> well, that's like this... like kind of like what I was saying to Mick. I was like, "Why stop here? Yeah. What's happening next? Let's keep going with this." So yeah, if you uh, that's the final Friday of every, of every month. month. Final Friday um, of every so, month. So yeah, th- this was the season premiere. So they usually run through spring and summer. So if you are looking for something to do on the last Friday of the month. Go to H and Eighth. They had thirties plus food trucks. Coop was down there. Anthem was down there. The Energy had a green space set up. They had games going on. Uh, there was artists. There was bands playing. Uh, you know, there was just... some guy flying a drone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was me. I did that. So I guess that's going to be it. Yeah, that's it. As always, as always, we need to thank Joshua <laughs> Path for the use of our theme song "Cement Truck" off the album "Between Heaven and Jonestown." That's on iTunes, CD Baby, and pretty much anywhere on the internet. Uh, it was recorded by Kurt PR. Kurt's awesome. And remember, you guys, as you go out on your own urban adventures, remember to take care of your bartenders, your waitresses, your waiters. Tip them well. Take care of those who take care of you. Go out there, have fun. Be nice. Yeah, be nice to each other. As always, we come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us at www.waftyshow.com. That's W-A-F-T-I. We're also on iTunes. Just search for us. We apologize for the inconvenience. We're on soundcloud.com slash waftyshow. iTunes and Instagram at waftyshow. Facebook.com slash waftyshow. It's just everywhere. Just waftyshow. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, guys. You get the whiskey, baby. I'll get the wine now, baby. When I'm stuck, you're